Alright man, welcome to the introduction for episode 183 of Crow 777 Radio. I haven't done an intro in a while. Um, Jason and I have been forgoing that to get the runtime down to an hour so we can run on other radio stations. But on this one, I figured I needed to. The things we're going to put down here are not a shot at anyone's religious tradition. It's the legal ideas that use the ideas we're going to express and define as a control mechanism, basically. These are ideas like birth certificates and the laws we live under things that happened in 1933, all these things. And unfortunately, this encompasses the book we call the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, which will be defined in ways that some people may find challenging. But again, this is not a shot at anyone's God-given right to choose the religion they want, but it is in fact definitions to show how some of these ideas are used. So there it is, man. Let's jump in with Kurt and Jason and uh, do what we do here. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 183. Uh, Jason Lingren is with me as always, and a gentleman named Kurt. We're going to be talking a bit. You know, we've done this in a number of the legal episodes, but we're going to get down to the building blocks of why these things matter. Basically, the idea of buying into fantastic fantasy-based things that have no existence in reality, but anyone out there can go back and look at reality, look at the fact that words have meaning, the concepts have meaning and ignore the kind of corporate nonsense that's built up this cage around us. And to be perfectly clear about it, it's not a real cage. We make our own cages with our minds, what we choose to accept or do not accept. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. Good morning to you, Crow. So by the time this one airs, Shoot the Moon NYC will already have happened. We sold it out already on that. So there's no need there. Is there anything else you want to add into the intro before we get Kurt in here? You know, I did a little experiment with myself. I've been taking that C60 for a few weeks, and I have to honestly report, I intentionally didn't shave for the past few days. I normally do every day. And I have considerably less gray in my beard than I used to. You know, I, I don't doubt that one bit. I've taken two types of C60, uh, the highest quality C60. We now link from the website, and I'm giving it a go. And I notice a little more energy, but I'm going to give it a month or two and see where we go here. Um, the the one I like is listed on my site. It's definitely not the cheapest, but it's absolutely, there's no detergents. There's no oven baking of detergents out of it. Uh, did research to understand that it's just, it is what it is in high quality olive oil. But other than that, Jason, is there anything else or can we get on with the show here? Let's get in. All right. Welcome, Kurt. <laughs> Hi guys. By the way, uh, before we get started, am I talking to two old gray-haired guys here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, I'm older than dirt, and Jason will be older than dirt in ten years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> are, are, are you a child of the '60s? I'm 59, so I, I barely missed it. I was nine years old at the tail end. 
<laughs> so you, you got me by a couple of years, but we're in the same ballpark. I'm pretty sure we received the same programming. So if I reference HR Puff and stuff, you'll know exactly mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> can't get a little if you can't get enough. <laughs> there it is, man. I guess everyone was puffing stuff back then, but they just didn't understand the connection. Anyhow, Kurt, we're going to jump in on some ideas. Uh, we have bullet points that you've laid down. There may be a couple later on that I skip, but most of this will be fine for hour one. Why don't you frame in your own words the ideas and concepts that we're about to cover? Well, back about 10 years ago, January, I think it was 2010. Actually, I got pulled over. My wife and I got pulled over and I got tased, tasered for presumably not using a turn signal. And so the fact that this county deputy sheriff shot a couple of barbs into my left shoulder and lit me up, electrocuted me. What happened was rather than get angry and say, you can't do that, which is what most people do. I started asking the question, how can they possibly trespass across my biology and not call it attempted murder? What was it about the law or what was it out there that allowed such a trespass to occur across my biology, my private property in essence? So my question was, is how could they do it? And so it led me for the last nine years down the road of how could or what mechanism is it that they have in their arsenal to actually claim our our physical natures? So that's how I arrived at all of this stuff nine years later was asking the right questions. Instead of screaming and hollering about man's rights, you don't have any if you don't have a body. The law of a dead body is that dead bodies have no rights. Therefore, if you're claiming the position of a ghost, the spirit only, uh, you're lacking a body. And if you're lacking a body, there's no such thing as trespass across the body. So, I mean, I came to a lot of strange conclusions over the last nine years. And it begins with this. In 2002, Congress passed a law called Public Law 107-293. And in Public Law 107-293, they actually identified the United States, the United States, as a one nation under God. The United States. Now, most of the people I know are are trying to run from the United States or trying to run from the so-called 14th Amendment citizenship and all that nonsense. The point is, is that in Public Law 107-293, they're very clear about what it means to be here in the United States. And I'm going to make, I'm only going to quote one thing out of that public law, and it's Thomas Jefferson. And Thomas Jefferson states, and, I, and, and I'm only going to paraphrase this, but it says, God who gave us life gave us liberty. And that's the answer. God who gave us life gave us liberty. And I'm not a religious guy, just so you guys know it up front. But I'm telling you, science led me back to the origin of man. The origin of man is a mystery or godly in the very act of creation. And so when Thomas Jefferson says, God who gave us life, gave us liberty, the only position you can get to is get back to the true origin or the godly origin in order to have liberty. And if you don't claim the godly origin, there is no liberty. There is no liberty in the United States without a godly origin. So I think that's a good jumping off place for us right now. So I think uh, to make another old guy reference, uh, maybe we should start at the beginning. A child arrived just the other day. It came to the world in the usual way. You know, there's all these ads on TV right now, and it never ceases to amaze me. Uh, Your first bullet point has to do with biological building 
materials. And there are ads all over TV right now convincing people that 23andMe will give you some information you just absolutely need while you give them the ultimate data on your living being, which is your your genetic code. Do you want to start there at the biological building blocks or do, would you like to start somewhere else? No, let's just do this. What people don't realize is that when dad lays with mom, not to be crass here, but when dad lays with mom, all he does is deposit the building materials, the sperm, 23 chromosomes from his side of the equation to a job site. That's all he's doing. And mom, all she does is provide the ovum, which is her 23 chromosomes at the job site. So mom and dad don't actually create anything. All they do is deposit the building materials at a job site. If there is no active creation, which is called fertilization, if there is no fertilization, then all that material gets swept away as waste material. My point is that if the act of creation, which is not by either mom or dad, all mom and dad are doing is providing the building material. They are not creating anything. So dad doesn't, he doesn't cleave open the ovum and force the sperm in. And mom doesn't bust open her ovum and allow the sperm in. This is a true act. This is a very magical, mysterious act that occurs in nature only. Again, the Declaration of Independence says laws of nature and nature is God. There isn't anything but this incredible act of creation that is not performed by mom or dad. Call it what you want. I call it the divine spark. Yeah. If if a life is created, I call it the divine spark and I'm with you all day long. There is no lie in nature and this is nature doing what nature does. Absolutely. So that's why the Declaration of Independence is so clear. Laws of nature and nature's God. This is not religion by any stretch. So the act of creation is the actual restructuring or organization, reorganization of these individual sets of 23 chromosomes into one unique 46 chromosome entity called the zygote. I just did a class on this recently. I call it where Darwin meets God. And they've they've positioned the Darwin God uh, as if it's a war between the two as of the Scopes trial in 1925, as if you have to choose. The point is, is that all Darwin did was state that there is an origin of man and and there is an evolution to it. If people understand the zygote is a single cell, and from that single cell, there is an evolution, a nine-month evolution. It goes through every single stage of development for nine months in the womb. That's the evolutionary process. From one single cell in the waters of mother all the way to the point, the terminal point, where, where baby, baby goes from fetus to baby coming out of the vagina. In other words, biblically, that is in the world but not of the world. We go from one world in the womb to another world out of the womb. We don't become of the world. We just traverse that threshold. That's all we're doing. One life begins with fertilization, and it goes all the way until our our biological death 75 years later. It's one life, and it begins with fertilization. But again, the zygote, the very first cause, the very first thing produced, the very first 46-chromosome entity, is the species known as man. So the species-specific origin, which is the zygote, is the origin of man, and it's a product of the act of creation. So God, the creator, let's call it, produces the zygote, which is the species known as man. 
The zygote doesn't turn into a monkey. The zygote can't turn into a giraffe. The zygote will never be a fish. It is the origin of man, and it occurs inside the womb nine months before an arbitrary birth-dated person is created. Well, that, that's an interesting that. concept. Um, I spent time when I was a roadie uh, in South Korea, and by the time a child is born or so-called born, um, they've already been given a year of life in that culture. And what you're pointing out is that we have the divine spark create a, a new life, well, what I'll call a new life, and then we don't mark the beginning of that new life until nine months later after gestation. Uh, but there are still cultures in this world that that mark the conception point, for lack of a better term, as the beginning of that life. And they count that when they count the age of a human being that is included in the count, which we ignore here in the West. Well, I'm going to be and, and again, I'm going to be very, very anal here with you guys today. The definition of conception was redefined for legal purposes to mean implantation. So actually, fertilization is the beginning of life, and every embryologist on planet Earth will agree with me here. So conception was redefined for the Roe v. Wade people, and I'm getting, I, people have, you can choose anything you want, as far as I'm concerned, but conception now means an implant, an implanted, in other words, it has to be a conceptus implanted into the wall of the uterus. That's called conception legally now, So, and that's 14 days after the actual act of creation. So conception does not mean origin anymore. Conception means implantation into, into the wall of the uterus, to be very, very specific. Right. Uh, th this is always the problem. When you look at the fact that words have meaning and then you look at what legal systems and other things have done, uh, it's pretty clear the intent of my use of, in, uh, of the word conception there was different than the actual legal definition that came I knew that. Uh, yeah, I, I well, we, we both understood that, but it, it's a problem, isn't it? Um, because it means at the very least that I need to modify my language. My problem being there's not enough days left in my life to undo all the words I have gathered. <laughs> um, yeah, but, <laughs> well, well, this is right out of the public health law. It's in the U.S. In the U.S., the pre-implantation conceptus is considered correct. Meaning, now think about this, the act of creation occurs at fertilization, 14 days later it gets planted into the wall of the uterus. Now they're saying that once it's implanted, they're calling that conception. So you have a 14-day span where you can kill off. You can kill because it's not recognized as life. Until conception, what they're redefining it to mean is in the wall of the uterus. Until it's, it's in the wall of the uterus, they're saying it, it doesn't amount to anything. And yet in the U.S., they're saying it only exist as a pre-implant conceptus, which is the next stage after zygote. What I'm getting at is the thing created is that singular unit, the clean, unmucked up. Again, it's sitting out. Think about a marble floating in the air. That would be the zygote or conceptus as it subdivides. But if that marble goes into a wall of clay, all of a sudden the marble is mixed up with some other material and it's not clean. It's not original anymore it's in the once it goes into the wall of the uterus or it's implanted it's no longer a singular entity but a combined monstrosity that's really what it is it's a monster at that point because if you think of it as as more than one thing or as part of mother all of a sudden it gets pretty mixed up that way so the united states only accepts a pre-implantation conceptus entity into the u.s meaning only the 46 chromosomes of the baby Let's back up for a second here. So we're saying 
that chromosomes came from a mother and a father, but somehow, I mean, the term monster is a pretty strong word, and actually I know it exists in legal dictionaries. Maybe we'll get there. My point being is 50% of the making up of that new life or whatever the proper terminology would be came from the mother in the first place. So how can it be a monster to connect back to the mother after the fact? Ah, good question. Okay, well, I hate to be Mr. Science on everybody here, but the wall of the uterus is only mother, isn't it? It's It has mom's 46 chromosomes only, doesn't it? Right, and the 50% that she's given to the zygote. Up, 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 up. Wait a minute, hang on a second. Once mom offers her 23 chromosomes and it blends with dad's 23, it's a completely new set. So when that 46 chromosome entity goes into the wall of another 46 chromosome entity, you have a mixture now of two separate entities. Mom's 23 no longer exists because it's become a 46 chromosome new entity. What I'm getting at is mom, the wall of the uterus is mother's chromosomes 46 only. That's why this is so dangerous is because the placenta, the afterbirth itself, is combining or mixing the 46 chromosomes of baby and the 46 chromosomes of mom as if it's one entity. They're calling that placenta one thing when in fact it's two different beings. And that's where the danger comes in is because we don't know what they're doing to muck us up or to bring us in. If the, if the Roman Catholic Church is claiming mother, the Roman Catholic Church is, by the way, claiming mother or the female or, or Gaia, whatever you want to call Mother Earth, they're making a claim on mother. And so if your 46 chromosomes are still in mother, via the afterbirth, meaning it's still part of the afterbirth, then you've never come out of her. Biblically, you've never come out of mother. You're still attached to her. So until you understand what your property limits are, just like in Josie Wales, where he says a man's got to know his limitations, you've got to know where your boundary actually exists. And that is your, your 46 chromosomes. They don't mix with anything else. And in the U.S., they only allow your clean, unburdened 46 chromosomes into the country, period. Are they trying to redefine these things with the latest notions being bantied about, about abortion all the way up until right before normal birth would occur? Think about the nine months from fertilization all the way up to before coming out of the womb. Those nine months, that, that's a terminal point. You realize that they even change definitions from fetus to baby. Once you cross over and come out of the womb, there's a terminus. And that terminal point is inside the womb, that being called the fetus, and outside the womb, it's called a baby. So the fetus is terminated right before. The term fetus terminates right before the baby's born. That's important because, because all pregnancies are terminated when baby comes out. All so pregnancies are terminated when so baby we should, comes out. We should be clear so we don't lose people with all the things we're saying. Ba basically, these th this is about, I don't even know how to say it. It's about legal definitions, right? It's, a, it's about human beings trying to come in and exert their will with legalistic terms and definitions. That's basically what it's, we're addressing it, here. Let's be really clear. It's about property. My property was created at the zygote. That is my biological, the entirety of my biological estate. All of it. That's where it ends. It doesn't go beyond that. My sovereignty, and I don't use that term lightly, only extends over my biological universe. I'm the Lord over this biology. My constitution, the very essence of my existence, is only biological, but it does extend all the way, 
all the way back to the zygote, both in time and space. So Jason and I have touched on a number of shows on this, just not to this level of specificity. So I'm trying to frame it so people listening don't get lost. Basically, your body, and if I use words incorrectly in the scope of this conversation, I think you get my intent. I'm not trying to use the intent of a legal definition. I'm trying to use the intent of my communication from my mind to your mind. Basically, what we're talking about is a human being has sovereignty within themselves, for lack of better terms. Um, What we're talking about is how the world of men and women infringe to exert their will legally and in other ways, right? That's basically for a layman's understanding what we're talking about. Are we also trying to establish that your body is your own? That is not what government entities make claim to? That's where it all started with that tasing incident. Here's the deal. The word implantation should be a key. If I leave a piece of me, implantation, if it's, it's, if it's part of the plantation, if a piece of me has been planted into somebody else's property, then they have a legitimate claim or argument over the fruits of the labor of my life. If I pull it out of there, if I can define the limits of my existence, my existence, and I remove it from a claim, another person's claim, I'm free. And again, in the words of Thomas Jefferson, remember, he says, God who gave us life gave us liberty. Our liberty only extends over our, the, the boundary line or the frontier of our, of, of our biology. It doesn't go any further than that. But we need to know the limits of that biology so we can make a claim on it. If everybody in the world right now claimed their origin with fertilization, the entire banking system would collapse because what they're doing is they're using the unaccountable. Here's the question. Tell me right now, and this will start to make sense now. If I ask you when you began, when was your beginning, and you claim a birthday nine months after your true origin, where is the time? Where is the existence of the nine months in the womb located? It's not on any calendar. It's not on any clock. It's nowhere to be found in history. So where were you the nine months after your existence, uh, after fertilization? Where were you? Why is that unaccountable? Well, I imagine from a legal standpoint, it's non-existence. It's ether. It's it's nebulous. It's unaddressable, right? But, I mean, that's well, the but point. Physic, no, physically, every, every embryologist on planet Earth will say there's a physical existence to you as of fertilization. And, and what they did, though, the reason this is so critical is because the time in the womb, which is unaccountable, is called time before memory. Memory begins at, at the record, and the record begins at the birth date. So the time in the womb, which is unaccountable and off the record, is what they're using. That time, by the way, you've heard this word before. The time in the womb is called a fee, F-E-E. That's the fee. That's the fee attorneys are working for. It's the unaccountable time in the womb that is called a fee. It's also called a feud, F-E-U-D. But that's what everybody, if you don't claim that time in the womb, that is going to be claimed by somebody else. And if somebody else claimed your origin, they have a claim for the rest of your life as well. That's how critical this is. You don't know your origin. So, Kurt, typically how is that done? I mean, for the sake of conversation, uh, I'm 55. So I would actually be 55 plus nine months, or would I be 56? Or just how, how does a person go about claiming from the divine spark forward? 
Jason, you've been you just mentioned something that the president is now talking about abortion, right? Correct. Those conversations didn't happen until I got my letters to the uh, Homeland Security. When I started talking about the origin of man, that's when the president started talking about revisiting the abortion issue. Right now, everything that's going on, nobody knows what I'm doing. Nobody knows that I have a direct conversation with these people through my letters, and they're actually now starting to address when the origin of life is. Because if you don't know the origin of your life, then the the first nine months is going to go into the in God we trust, because that's where it all begins, is at at that point, that spark, that divine spark, or that godly origin. Are you suggesting that's an actual trust? It is. It's called the Federal Reserve. The okay. fed, federal means man's covenant with God, and reserve means the Eucharist held for future, future use. So you got the Federal Reserve, which is the nine months in the womb that goes unaccountable for most people. It's forgotten. It's abandoned. It's, it's forsaken. It's derelict. And so it's unaccountable property that everybody seems to have forgotten. So then you got this Federal Reserve system. And by the way, this is why it's, it's so fun. The Christian calendar begins at the year one. It doesn't begin at the year zero. So all of the time in the womb has been forgotten. Huh. It is abandoned as abandoned property. I'm pretty good at Every, this stuff, Kurt, changes. but I, I am trying to not only keep up with the specificity you're laying down, but I'm trying to ensure that the people listening uh, don't miss the intent of why we're pointing these things out. So okay. as we go through I, these things, I may come back to try to enlighten the idea a little bit so people who caught our law series that we did a number of shows and other things will be able to put this into context because the level of specificity that you're laying down is is far above the things we have covered to date which have mostly been procedural um what does a human being do in certain situations which brings me back to my question how do, how do you claim the nine months that have not been recognized in most western lives because they were marked the, the, as alive at birth the problem is the redefinition of even born alive. I just told you that they redefined the word conception, didn't I? Yes. I mean, conception now means when something that has been alive for 14 days goes into the wall of the uterus of, of, of a mother. See, that's what's funny is life began 14 days earlier before conception. Yeah, so but much now for they science. Have a legal, well, and that, that's why science led me back. I, I say science led me back to God because... When you understand the biological origin of of the species known as man, the birth date becomes irrelevant. In fact, the birth date, I just sent a letter off to the, um, well, actually, it's the top office in the world. But I just sent a letter off that called the birth record a weapon of mass destruction. Because by claiming the birth date, you negate the biology. When you claim the narrative or the fictitious narrative of the birth date, you kill off the man. And it actually falls under, man, it's just so scary to talk like this, but it falls under genocide. It falls under genocide. And so I called it a weapon of mass destruction and it's genocide because a man claiming a birth date of nine months after his origin has negated his very existence. And that's by design. Well, there's, there's there's other things built into the traditions that most of us have grown up doing. The birthday cake is a prime example. That's supposedly lifted from an old Greek tradition that has to do with the moon goddess. And of course, anyone who's followed this channel understands the connections that I have attempted to make with the moon and death and the recycling of human beings. 
And so the idea here is that when you light the candles on the birthday cake, and I've said, I don't do this. Matter of fact, I won't participate in this. Uh, it's been many years since I participated in a birthday cake. You put a, you light a candle for every year of your supposed existence, and then you snuff them out. But what people don't know is that the symbolism in that is mimicking the moon. It's why you turn out the lights when you light the birthday cake. And you can look at the origins of these things. And even the tradition points to exactly what you're getting at just to make a point here. That's fun. I'm glad you brought that up because the Greek word for cake is placenta. Hmm. Wow, I did not know that. The birthday cake is the placenta, which is wow. why I brought it up earlier. And your lunar connection is even more amazing because the Anomundi calendar, which is the Jewish calendar, begins at the year zero. So the birthday cake exists between zero and one, but it's not identified on a Christian calendar. So the birthday cake is the evidence of your lunar or Anumundi origin with the cake itself. The cake is evidence of your godly origin. And it goes all the way back to the beginning, but it's not noted on the sun or the Gregorian calendar, which starts at year one. So there's a deficit or a missing, there's a hole. There's actually a hole, H-O-L-E, between the origin, which is fertilization, and the sun calendar, sun god, Christian calendar, Gregorian calendar, which starts at the year one. So that lunar calendar, the Anamundi calendar, is evidence that there's a space in time missing in your life that you have yet to claim. If you don't go all the way back to zero or fertilization, which is only identified through the birthday cake, the placenta, if you don't claim the placent, your placental material, your extra embryonic placental material, you can't go all the way back to the beginning. The easiest way to look at this is imagine a ball of string <clears throat> being your entire life. And so you, you start unrolling that little, that little piece of string. At the very beginning, the string didn't exist, which is nothing. There's no, nothing there. And then all of a sudden, the act of creation, there's the, the first edge or the front edge of the string. As you start rolling out that string, those are the years of your life. So I'm trying to give it a tangibility, something tangible, so something could, somebody can actually see how this works. Now, think about that. I'm 59 years old, so I, let's just say that each inch of the string is one year. So I roll out 59 inches of string. That's, that represents a timeline, a singular timeline. There's no duality here. It's a singular life that began with fertilization. So I have 59 inches of string. Here's the interesting thing. One side of the string, the side that we're speaking from right now, we're, we're going to call it the omega moment, is the last moment of our life, which is right now. This is the last moment. With each inhalation, we're, we're going to call each breath in an inspiration. That's the breath of God coming back in, giving us life. Each exhale or expiration is the last breath or the death, our death, until we inspire again. So if our last breath is an expiration, that's the end of us rolling out the string. We just cut it off there and, and life ends. But with each new inspiration, the string extends our life. So again, the omega moment is the last moment of your life, and it's extended with each new inspiration. Now, here's the problem. The alpha moment, remember alpha to omega, the biblical aspect, the alpha moment is a finite origin. The alpha moment is fertilization. So from alpha to omega, the actual origin all the way to this moment in time, which is called the present, it's one singular timeline. So if you can picture a piece of string that is 
unrolling through your lifetime. And each inch of that string is one year. I'm sitting at a little over 59 inches of string. Here's the amazing thing. The origin or the alpha moment is the very beginning of the string. In front of that moment, there's nothing. There's no thing. So once God or the divine spark begins or starts or creates the 46 chromosome origin of that string, there's nothing. But right at that moment, there's something. So from that moment to this moment, something exists. Here's what's amazing. I tried to give a tangibility or a physical existence to the timeline. Here's how horrible this is. If I cut off, remember, each inch equals one year. If I cut off the first three quarters of an inch, which is the nine months in the womb, I don't have a beginning, do I? No, that's what I was going to mention, why the allegory you're making is so good, because you said you were 59. I'm assuming that's from birth date forward, which means there is no string prior. No, 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 no. I'm saying 59 inches just for mathematical ease, mathematical ease. I'm saying my string began at fertilization, right? Right. Yeah, the zygote. It, it begins with the substance. So the substance of the string begins with the substance of the biology, which is the zygote. So from zygote to this moment in time, as we speak, there's 59 plus inches. Again, if I cut off the first three quarters of an inch, which includes all the nine months in the womb, if I cut that off, I don't have an origin, do I? biologically. Right. But let me let me make an observation here. Um, no matter what a legal institution, a corporation, a government, or any other so-called legalese conglomerate decides to do, um, the truth is, is that you did have time in the womb. The truth is that even if the string is marked from the day of your birth, it does not eliminate whether it recognizes it legally or within governments or organizations of men and women, the truth is, and the truth will set you free, is you did start at the zygote. And so we're almost talking about what a human mind can be convinced of in a way. Do you follow? How many people do you know, and this is it's easy while we speak, but I'm going to tell you right now, you go out there in the world and ask them when, when they began and 100% of the population will have their mind bent in believing it was the birthday, nine months too late. Right, the human, the human the mind has been led astray, that's my point, but it does not negate the truth, the factual truth that they went, that they have been alive longer, whether or not a legal definition wants to recognize it or not. And in the court system, the arbitrary court system, what they're doing is the attorneys are actually acting to patch you up. They're actually there to put Humpty and Dumpty back together. When you make the mistake and say your life began at the narrative called the birth date, they're there to, to actually reconnect you with God. I, it sounds horrible, but what they're doing, that's the Department of Corrections or the correction that's required. It's actually called, I can't think of it right now. I'll find it in a second. You're not but talking about rehabilitation or something, are you? That's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're actually reestablishing your connection to God. They're doing you a favor. Literally, they're saying, oh, you don't know your origin, so you need us to get you back to God. So what they're doing is they're acting um, with the birth certificate. They're acting as the bridge or the conduit through which you get to relate, you get your connection to God. That's what they're doing, because you've negated God in your own admission by claiming a birth date, which is why it's so critical that the cops with the guns and the badges get you to admit to the mistake. They need you to admit to the mistake so they can put Humpty and Dumpty back together. 
So, I don't know. I got a million questions, but I'm going to devolve for a second here. Um, and I apologize for devolving, but I got to ask it. We've talked a lot about the Jewish calendar. Do you have any damn idea why the Jewish calendar started in 5,700 and wherever we are 78 years ago? Um, do you have any clue why that calendar is the oldest in the world and why it started when it did? Does it mark the beginning of what we're talking about or is it something else? No, it marks the beginning of what's called the Old Testament. The Old Testament starts at zero and goes to 5,780, which had just changed over this month. So in reality, if you think about even that as a timeline, the Old Testament's still going. The Old Testament starts at zero and it goes to 5,780. The New Testament, which is the Jesus Testament, which is, I call Jesus the insurance policy. In other words, all you have to do is claim Jesus and, and, and you have insurance against sin. But look at where that calendar begins as of 1582. It starts at the year one and goes to 2019, which is a subset of zero to 5780. So let's be clear here. What you're, what you're laying down is that the Jewish calendar, which is a solely lunar calendar for people out there listening, they still recognize the moon. Uh, the moon used to be the clean division of a year, but the moon is still incorporated. It starts, uh, I was off by a year. It's 5,780 years ago. And so the Gregorian, or what we call the Gregorian, which has been apparently messed with by Caesars and Pope Gregory the Thirteenth and all kinds of people, starts at the year one, not zero. The implication being here that the Hebrew calendar represents the Old Testament beginning timeline, and the Gregorian, or solar calendar, for lack of better words, is going to represent the beginning of the New Testament. Did I get all that right, Kurt? Absolutely. Is the Christian religion akin to the birth certificate and Judaism is akin to the conception? Yes. No, not conception, fertilization. So wait yes, a minute. So then, then we, the, but hold on here. Then we've got to ask the question. If we go to a place that's primarily Hebrew, are they claiming the nine months in the womb in their age? If you look at someone's driver's license, uh, will it include that nine months under those circumstances? Or are they in the same boat we are here in the West? Again, if they're Jewish and claiming the Jewish calendar... This does not affect them at all. It doesn't affect them at all. This, I mean, it, they're not bound. They're not time bound. Think about that. In the womb, there's no clock. In the womb, there's no calendar. Realistically, there's none. Unless it's the lunar calendar, which is the way it looks from zero to 5780. Well, it, it, yeah, it absolutely is, is because you can show that the menstrual cycles and everything else that provide for the possibility of the divine spark are, uh, I'm not going to say ruled over, are bound somehow with the lunar um, cycle. It could be shown. Cycle. Right. In, yeah. in the acceptable and, and, year of a Lord, to be clear about it. And so the beginning, when you come out of the womb, that's when the clock starts. That's when they attach you or bind you, you're time bound, to or father time, Kronos or Saturn. Saturn, yeah. So what you're doing is you're, you're skipping, you're going from your true origin, which is nature's, the law of nature and nature's God, to a fictitious origin or an insurance policy called Jesus. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I call Jesus, I know this is going to sound horrible, but I actually do think of that policy, that insurance policy, as the monkey on your back. It's a rider policy. I call it the Santa Claus or the Saint Claus. It's an indemnity policy, a rider but, but policy. But let's be clear here, Kurt, for the people that are listening, this is not a jive at someone's religion. Everyone has the, no. the free will. What this is, is from the point of view, from basically the controlling elements of our society. That's what you're pointing out here, Kirk. That's, I mean, a rider policy is a corporate term. 
So let's be clear about what we're pointing out here. And the birth certificate is a corporate policy. Right. It's kind of a contract, right? That's your insurance policy. It's a hell of a con- it's, it, it, Again, the, fed, the definition, the etymology of the word federal, small f federal, is God's covenant with man. So the federal government is acting as the go-between for those people that have forgotten their godly origin. They gave them a rider policy to reconnect them with God. And if so, if you forget, oh, by the way, here's your policy to get you back to God. It's called Jesus. Well, this was the whole... This was the whole spiel from the Roman Catholic Church, wasn't it? Um, you, you can't, you need an intercessor. You don't even speak Latin. You can't even read the Bible. You got to have a priest or you can't get to God. So basically what you're pointing out is the legal representation of that old Catholic idea before the Bible became printed in many languages and people decided we don't have to have a priest as an intercessor. It was too late. Now we have laws that are hiding the same idea in a more binding fashion using, the, for lack of better terms, Saturnian ideas, binding ideas. It also sounds like an extension of the Vatican... Certificate of Indulgence. Well, the Papal Bull, where they claim everything as well. The federal government is almost acting as an extension of that. Let's be clearly distinct, and we've mentioned this a number of times. In the book Shogun, uh, the pilot, the Portuguese pilot, who is not a papist, is trying to tell the Shogun of Japan that he is owned by this guy named the Pope. And the Shogun of Japan says, what the hell are you talking about, pilot? And he names the papal bull. That papal bull, which if I think it's 14-something, I could have that wrong, I'm doing this from memory, is still in force today. But you see, you can't argue it because the birth certificate proves it's true, doesn't it? By our own admission. Well, let, it, I, I'm, no, I'm going no, no. to differentiate with you a little <laughs> bit here. And here's the reason why. And we do this all the time. My <laughs> highest moral authority is in my person. I don't give a damn what any court or anything else says. When it comes to the highest moral decision I will make, that is my decision. It's between me and my creator. And when you are trapped in a bear trap, never having a possibility to understand that you've been trapped, that's a violation of people's rights. And I just want to get that on the record. So I don't give a damn what binding anything has ever been put on me. Morally, I can demonstrate that it's it's against universal law, basically. That has nothing to do with a corporation or a judge sitting somewhere or anything. It's higher than all that. It's the same idea as claiming the zygote as your starting point. It's higher than all that. That's why the Declaration of Independence is so important to understand that it's the laws of nature and nature's God that gives you independence from the state. If you claim, I mean, think about this, that, that certificated person that has nothing to do with, your, with the laws of nature and nature's God, that certificated person is not evidence of independence. It's evidence of dependence. And what's really weird, I mean, you were talking about the papal bulls and all that nonsense. In an Unum Sanctum 1302, you know, you got this Pope talking about the spiritual man is to be judged by no man. Well, that's true. The spiritual man implies what's called the holistic aspect of the man from beginning to, to uh, the entire life, from the beginning. What's interesting about that, that particular, uh, about Unum Sanctum is that they distinguish. Let me read this. This is verbatim. It says, whoever therefore resists this power thus ordained by God resist the ordination of God unless he makes believe, make believe like Manichaean that there are two beginnings. This we consider false and heretical since by the testimony of Moses, 
not in the beginnings, but in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Indeed, we declare, say, pronounce, and define that it is altogether necessary to salvation for every human creature to be subject to the Roman pontiff. What they did is the spiritual man is the man that knows his true origins, his godly origins. But if you're claiming the separate coming or the separate beginning, that becomes a human creature. This is all nonsense in my ears. There's nothing legitimate about any of this for the simple reason that every aboriginal, every supposed Indian that ever lived anywhere could be considered to be the spiritual man. And they set about destroying those cultures by force. And so at the point of a sword, at the point of a sword being forced to forfeit what you once knew, uh, that's indefensible from my point of view. And, and that's my big problem with most of this. What you're putting down is so critically important, these ideas. But my main overarching point is it's all indefensible at the highest moral court. We're actually in full agreement because what they've done is they've created a piece of ground or an existence outside the memory of man. Right. They, so, and, and what they did is, is the doctrine, it's called the doctrine of discovery. And so you brought up the concept of aboriginal man or, or the, na- the, the natural man, so to speak, the one that is actually that exists outside of all paper. The spiritual What's interesting man, about yeah. that, Well, and that's the one that's, that's part of nature. But in the doctrine of discovery, what they said, and I'm paraphrasing this, is they said that if they find anything out there that's not Christian, it's claimable for Rome. It's claimable for Christianity. If it's discoverable, now remember the word discovery in the courtrooms, discovery. If it's discoverable, if there's a piece of you that has yet to be discovered or has been forgotten even by you, if they discover that piece, it's, it's subject to discovery. It's subject to the doctrine of discovery. And that is where they step in and they save your ass. Sorry. They save you. And that I don't need salvation. Yeah, but, but, I don't need but I mean, even savior. that could be a question. What are the what the hell is, are any of these men without power saving you from anything? See, this is all nonsense. They're not gods. They don't have the power uh, I, of, of a creator. I, I, I completely agree. But what I'm getting at is what if, what if by the very claim, what if by anybody even claiming Jesus as their savior, they're the ones that laid this out. And they're the ones that by claiming the need for salvation has created the need for salvation. Which again, which, which again comes back to my point that if you grew up in a cage being lied to your whole life, there was no chance you didn't know there was a bear trap there. So, of course, the bear trap's going to catch you. But I'll, I'll point out another thing based on the language you've been using, and I think we could probably agree on this, uh, a claim in, in the legal world is one of the most potent things there is. Um, and not only that, I can give an example that's changed recently in the lives of human beings. When you get your car insurance these days, it almost always says, here's the offer. This is always the trick, the trap. In the in, in in the United States, you're told it's against the law. You can't drive without car insurance, which isn't actually all the way true. But for the most part, it's a royal hassle if you want to try to get around it. So for the most part, what they've done is legislated that you have to have insurance. Then your insurance comes and it makes an offer, basically a godfather's offer, an offer you can't refuse. And then what follows after that is totally based on claims. How many people have ever made a claim with an insurance company and been happy with the outcome? And how is it that whenever the insurance company makes a claim in the other way, they always get what they want? I just want to point these things out because these are the legal archetypes, and they're not even archetypes. They're made up nonsense that we've all been convinced have some kind of force in our world, which they don't. 
This this is the whole of, of what Kurt is laying down here. A human being that had not been convinced to believe in things that are false would not need to hear the conversation we're having now. But unfortunately, I would imagine that 98 or 99% of us have all been convinced to believe in things that are false. And I'll just hand it back to you right there. I just wanted to give examples to people so they understand the idea of a claim, the idea of an offer, how it's being used in their everyday life, and so they can correlate it to what we're talking about. It is. And and again, we're we're not going to disagree on anything today. I'm going to tell you that. The problem is, is that there's another offer out there called the New Testament. When you accept that offer, you accept the space that needs to be traversed. You you accept the need for a, sal, a, a, a salvation or a savior. You, well, let me you let me rephrase that. What, what you're actually that. what you're actually suggesting, Kurt, if I'm following you correctly, is you are forfeiting the fact that you have the divine spark and you do not need an intercessor. You are forfeiting it by your own admission. Yes. Okay. Um, and here's, I want I want everyone to know out there that religious <laughs> traditions are your own, and you 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 have every right in the world to do. What we're doing is pointing out the legalese the the people who run this joint with their legal jargon and nonsense and laws. That's what these things mean in those eyes. And to be perfectly clear, those eyes are full of crap. They put bear traps in a wood for human beings that human beings couldn't possibly detect. And by the time you made it to the age of consent, for most of us, it was too late. We'd already consented. But back to you, Kurt. And I want to be clear about these things because human beings uh, do uh, have every right to whatever spiritual tradition they choose. What's amazing is that the definition of religion in the United States is so it's so right on. And, and again, I don't disagree with anything that's happening even in the courtrooms. As horrible as they seem, they're not bending any rules. They're not even doing anything other than what we're asking them to do. Listen to the definition. It says religion, man's relation to divinity, to reverence, worship, obedience, and submission to mandates and precepts of supernatural or superior beings. In its broadest sense, includes all forms of belief in the existence of superior beings exercising power over human beings by volition imposing rules of conduct with future rewards and punishments bond uniting man to god there it is right there the bond uniting man to god yeah but all all the rest of that was plural kurt all the rest of that was plural clear clearly i know it was right counting a king or a queen or a pope as a superior being but as soon as you reconnect to fertilization to your true origin, you have fit the bill as a superior being yourself. What's interesting is that it says, as used in constitutional provisions of First Amendment, forbidding the establishment of religion, the term means a particular system of faith and worship recognized and practiced by a particular church, sect, or denomination. There it is right there. They're saying that you can that if you understand God as, 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 as an origin, we're going to call it science-based fertilization. That's your origin, and it's godly. So what's amazing about that is if you claim a birth date nine months later, you're legally insane. You have lost all capacity to think properly. I know, I know it's a bear trap. Don't get me wrong. But what they're doing is they're getting us to admit to needing help. And then they're there to provide the help. The moment we claim Jesus is the moment we break off our direct connection to our true origin, because now we need salvation. The hardest part for me to get across to people is imagine this scenario. Somebody 
has to die. Somebody has to be murdered. Somebody has to hang on a cross so that you have a better day. Imagine me just coming up to anybody in the street and saying, I need you to name a loved one that I'm going to hang on the cross today for you so you have a better day, so that you're indemnified, so that all the things you do wrong is going to be washed away. But I need you to name somebody right now that I can hang on that cross. How convenient to create a story 2,000 years ago where some guy is hanging on a cross for you that you never had to meet, that you never had to know. Well, here's the deal. Well, Jesus, that Jesus, even biblically talks about and only identifies himself as I am. I am represents presence. So the only thing, once they get you to agree to salvation or a savior, once you agree that something has to hang on that cross or somebody has to hang on that cross, you don't realize it, but it's you. You hang yourself on the cross in your own presence and your presence is sacrificed for a time-bound character, a Saturnian cult character. So you're actually sacrificing your own presence, your own life, by agreeing that Jesus has to die for you. All you right, sacrifice let, yourself is what it is. Let me jump in here, Kurt. We've got to come in under an hour so we can run in a few places with the first hour. Um, so verily, verily, I say unto you, Kurt, these are interesting ideas. I hope that people out there can see why they're important from the systems in which we live. And I hope people can see beyond the idea that somehow religions are being slighted. What's being laid down here is what the legal world, for lack of better terms, the corporate world, how these things are used. And you got to do your own math in this world. You got to do your own reading in this world. And if you're not, you're simply taking someone else's word for it. Jason, anything you want to add before I wrap up hour one of 183? Kurt, why don't you give out your contact information for hour one listeners? Yeah, if people want to get a hold of me directly, they got to go to Curtis Kallenbach at protonmail.com. That's K-U-R-T-I-S-K-A-L-L-E-N-B-A-C-H at protonmail.com. All my material is free. The only thing I do is if you need any help to get over some of these bumps, my time is not free. My time is not free, but I do give away all this information for free. So you get a hold of me at Proton Mail. I will send you the link to all my material. And uh, if you need some help, I'm more than happy to help you, but for a price. Okay, here's the deal, Kurt. Why don't you send me an email on the tail of our recording here today, and I'll give you a full membership to Crow 777 Radio. The reason for that is you can get into the comments under episode 183. I'm sure people will have things to ask, and it will further allow you a place to put your contact information as a link. Anyhow, Jason, I'm going to wrap it up. I know we're right on the edge here. That brings the first hour of episode 183 to a close. And let me tell you something. We're going to open up a can of whoop-ass an hour or two. There's so many things that we had to moderate and so many ideas. And again, in closing, I hope people can understand why these definitions, these are not points of view. These are almost like the gears. It's like exposing the gears that make the machine work in a way, if you want to think about it that way. But I hope you'll join us all for hour two of 183 over at Crow 777 Radio, where free speech reigns. There it is, man. Cheers. Thank mm-hmm. you.